Read it with me out loud. What is the gospel? Here it is. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes in him. Let's read it again together. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and he died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he is the son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins to anyone who repents and believes in him. And everybody said, amen. Now, before I get into my message, let me just show you a passage of Scripture that'll, that certainly defines this even in a, a maybe a more simplified term. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says this in verse 3, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. That's the foundational backbone of the gospel. He died for our sins. Somebody say amen. And he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Wouldn't it be great that by Easter time, which is how many Sundays away? It's just about a month away by the time Easter comes that we all are able to communicate in our own hearts with our families, our kids. What is the gospel? Amen. And so you get that down and let's just begin to let it permeate into our hearts and be able to communicate what Jesus did for us on Calvary's cross. Uh, in fact, uh, this definition came to me by way of uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Dr. Rice Brooks who wrote God's Not Dead. Uh, in fact, the movie God's Not Dead is coming out in a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, he gave us some alarming statistics about our young adults and how the gospel has been watered down so much that we've lost an understanding of, of what it takes to get to heaven. Uh, and how many of you know without the power of the gospel operating in our life, uh, in, in fact it says there in 1 Corinthians, we're among all men most miserable. But somebody look at somebody else and say, thank you Jesus for the gospel. It's the good news, amen. And so with that in mind, I want you to look around uh, and make sure everybody's got s at least a form of a, of a smile on their face because I just gave you some good news. Amen. Yeah, hallelujah. So, hey, smile a while, I'll give you face a rest. Today we conclude our series, The Real Thing, Becoming a Romans 12 Kind of Christian. And it has been very fruitful to me. It has been a blessing to me to be able to devour, if you will, Romans chapter 12. And I hope you've done that. I hope you've allowed this chapter to make a huge difference in your life and just begin to uh, uh, digest the truths. The, in fact, we've, we've just really kind of scratched the surface of all that is found in this chapter. And in fact, on Wednesday night, we've been going through the book, uh, 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 Becoming a Romans 12 Christian or True Spirituality. And a lot of what I've said or some of what I'm saying on Sunday morning was drawn from that book. And in fact, this Wednesday night, we conclude our small group series, our growth group series, and I encourage you to come and be a part of that, and let's finish strong. But I've just been devouring this. I've been taking it apart and allowing it to change my life. And so here's where we've been for the last, this will be the seventh week. 
Here's where we've been. The first thing we talked about when we talked about being the real thing, we looked at Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and we realized this, that true spirituality is developed in the crucible of total surrender. Everyone say total surrender. What does that verse 1 say? He said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable, rational service of worship. We learned something about total surrender. When you look at what Jesus taught and what he caused us to realize, it's, it's total surrender has very little to do with what you give up, but everything to do with what you gain. How many of you know what you gain is way beyond and way more powerful and way more precious than what you have to give up? And so uh, it's developed in the crucible of total surrender. And God, God is looking to all of us to yield our lives as a living sacrifice unto Him. And then the second thing we learned about becoming the real thing and becoming a Romans 12 kind of Christian is, that, is this. True spirituality <coughs> is developed... By the daily renovation of our thoughts. Verse 2, he says this. He talks about the fact that he's, uh, that the world is out to conform us. He says, and don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Somebody say transformed. That's that word metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. You, let me tell you, what goes in here affects every area of your life. As your thoughts go, so go your life. And Paul realized that and he said, if you're going to be truly trans, if you're going to be a real, uh, genuine Christian, you've got to let God transform the way you think. Because what that will do is, as he said in verse two, it will validate for you God's perfect and good blessing and will of God in your life. You see, with that, if you can't get your thought right, you can't get your life right. And so that's the second thing we learned. And then the third thing we learned is this, that true spirituality is developed by the discovery and then the development of our true identity. Verse 3 talks about this, have a sound, sober assessment of who you are. Not what the world's trying to conform you into, but who God has made you into. And we learned that all of humanity, uh, uh, because of sin, is basically insecure. We're really trying to search out who we are, and we realize that our true identity is found in Him. Somebody say, in Him. You see, when you get fixed in Him, every other area of your life begins to get fixed. When you begin to understand who you are in Him, not what the world says you are, not what, you, what uh, your family may say you are, but who does God say that you are? And my Bible tells me we're the chosen generation. We're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own special people that we should show forth His praises throughout the earth. So, hey, it's important. If you want to be the real deal, if you want to be the real thing, you've got to understand who you are in Christ. And then Josh came along, my son-in-law came along while I was actually in California preaching these first three messages to a group of young people. He came along and gave us the fourth thought. True spirituality is developed by the discovery and development of our spiritual giftings. You see, God has gifted you in a creative way. He's got a plan for your life. He's gifted you. In fact, Romans chapter 12, 4 through 8 talks about the motivational gifts and how God has motivated us. And, and when we learn who we are in Him and we begin to realize how He made us, then we can really begin to operate in the ministry that He has for us. And then I came back to you and we talked about true spirituality being developed by the daily connection and commitment 
to the family of faith. How many of you know the church is hugely important in us fulfilling God's purpose for our life and really being what he wants us to be? In fact, he said in verse 9, he says, let love be without hypocrisy. That word hypocrisy means uh, uh, those who wear a mask. Let your love toward the family of faith be without a mask. You got to be real. You can't, you got to be genuine. And that's the, the theme of what we're talking about for these last six and a half or these seven weeks now. We've got to be real and we got to love people the way Jesus would want us to love and love the family of faith and get connected and committed. Everyone say connected and committed. You see, connection is so very important because if you get disconnected, you will never be committed. I see some people who think they can be disconnected and just kind of roam to and fro and kind of be their own, do their own thing. And let me tell you something, that's not real spirituality. Uh, that's not plugging into God's plan for your life. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We've got to plug in. Everyone say it again, connected and committed. Amen. And then last Sunday, we talked about this and I encourage you and all these are on our website. All of these are on iTunes. True spirituality is realized through the daily development of spiritual stamina. You see, we've got to be able to, uh, to stay the course and keep on keeping on and keep the main thing the main thing. And we looked at some things uh, from, oh gosh, it was verse, let's just see, verse 11 and 12. I saw five spiritual exercises that you can uh, begin to spiritually exercise your life. And you began to grow strong spiritually and you stay strong and you stay the course regardless of the circumstances. And that's where we've been. Everybody go, yeehaw. And this morning, I want to close out this series that I, with something that I think is so very important for all of us to understand. The last insight to true spirituality, and it is this. True spirituality is best made manifest in how we handle the hard times. Somebody say hard times. Let me tell you something, unless you, in case you just crawled out from under a rock, there will be hard times. In fact, Jesus said this in John 16, I think verse 33 maybe. He said, in the world you will have tribulation. Everybody smile and say tribulation. It's hard to do, you can't hardly do it. That word tribulation means pressures. He said this is going to be the case. There's going to be pressures. In the world, you'll have pressures. You'll have stress. You'll have trouble. There will be hard times. Now, I know some charismatics, they just want to deny that. But the reality is true. And in fact, hey, listen, it's okay to understand that and know that. But you've got to learn how to handle the hard times. Jesus went on to say in John 16, he said, In the world, you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Everybody just smile one more time. Be of good cheer. He said this, for I have overcome the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today, about how to handle the hard times. In fact, I want you to look with me in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. We're going to pick up right there. And I'm going to read all the way to the end of the chapter. Follow along with me. If you remember verse 11 and 12, he kind of had a caveat from how we minister to others. 
And then he, verse 11 and 12 that we talked about last Sunday, he came in and said, okay, let me just give you some thoughts here about what you got to do on the inside, how you stay strong spiritually and you maintain your spiritual stamina. And then verse 13, he jumps back out of that and into our ministry to those around us. And here it is. He says, distributing to, in fact, let me just say, this is what true spirituality does. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. And bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things. But associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends upon you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And then he says... Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I want everyone to say that last verse with me. It says, do not be overcome with evil. Let's say it. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. With that in mind, I want you to understand something about these passages of Scripture. I see three different aspects of hard times that we've got to learn how to handle. The first one is the hard times of our brothers, those people around us, the fellowship of the saints, that we have a responsibility if we're going to be truly spiritual to be involved in their life. For it says in verse 13, distributing to the needs of the saints. You see, my Bible teaches me that the nature of spirituality is one that is always giving with our brothers. And we've got to realize that God has given us a family of faith and we are responsible for our family of faith. And guess what? Our family of faith should be responsible for us. You see, true spirituality is is realized when we begin to realize that we have a responsibility to our brothers. Their hard times. I thank God that in my hard times, there have been people that have come alongside me to help me. Then I thank God that in my times of blessing i've been able to come along beside people and and help them and hold them up that's that's the family of faith that's what we do and then the second aspect of handling the hard times is the hard times of our own all of us go through issues all of us have our our things that we deal with and verse 14 he says bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse you see we've got to learn how to handle our own hard times we got to handle our brother's hard times. And then verse 19, he says this, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is, it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. We all have issues that we go through. How many of you have never had an issue? Just lift your hand. i, I got to know. i got to meet you. We've all had issues. We all have hard times. We all have pressure moments. We all have opposition. In fact, that's the third thought here this morning about the hard times that we've got to learn to handle, it's the hard times of our opposition. Anyone ever had an enemy in your life? (laughs) 
Oh, and hey, in fact, what did Paul say? There are many adversaries. You see, not only do we have humanity that sometimes is our adversary, we've got spiritual forces of wickedness in our world. And a lot of times those spiritual forces of wickedness make themselves manifest through human flesh. Anybody ever met one of those? And you realize this is a spiritual battle. But look what verse 20 says. If your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Punch his lights out? No. If your enemy is hungry, you feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. How many of you know what Jesus says so many times is contrary to what we want to do in our own life? And that's what Jesus does. He does things a little differently that we've got to realize, hey, this is the way you handle the hard times. He said, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's, if he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. And then he says that, that last verse, don't be overcome with evil. Everybody say, don't be overcome with evil. Listen, there's opposition in the world. We cannot let it overcome us. So with that in mind, understanding that the, the, the truly spiritual have a responsibility to, to handle the hard times of our family. And, and, and we've got to handle our own hard times. I found some people just want to be in denial. They want, you know, hey, I can't handle this. Anybody ever said that? Oh, I just can't handle this. Just a few. Has anybody ever said that? Come on, be honest. I just can't handle this anymore. I can't handle this pressure anymore. Well, understand something. You're not supposed to uh, uh, let the pressures of life handle you. And when you come to the place where you say that I can't handle this anymore, what you're saying is this pressure is handling me. And so with that in mind, here's the big idea. Everybody say, what's the big idea? What's, tell somebody, what's the big idea? Here's the big idea that you and I need to understand from these passages of Scripture and about being truly spiritual. The truly true spirituality is never manhandled by hard times. The truly spiritual learn how to handle and even manhandle the hard times. Once you give in to the hard times, they will manhandle you. They will rough you up. And it's quiet in here. Anybody ever been roughed up by hard times? You just feel like you, you know, you've been beat up by everybody under the sun and, and you come to the place and you snap and you know, I can't handle this anymore. <laughs> not being light. I'm not being slight, but understand something. The truly spiritual do not let the hard times and they will come. The pressures of life. Jesus promised this. He said, in the world, you'll have pressure. You'll have hard times, but be of good cheer. Everybody say, say, say amen. Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And guess what? That overcomer lives on the inside of us. So you need to understand that all these things we've talked about, they will bring you to a place where in the middle of the hard times, they don't handle you. Now, think with me about Jesus for a moment. You've seen the movies. You've read the book. It seems to appear that hard times and evil manhandled Jesus and they beat him and they, they abused his body. They put a crown of thorns on his head and it would appear to us that he was manhandled. And in a sense he was, but understand this, he knew what was happening and he knew that the process he was going through was not going to be a victory for the devil, but an ultimate defeat for our enemies. He was, in fact, what did Jesus say? No one take takes my life from me, I lay it down. 
And so sometimes when it would appear we're being manhandled by the pressures of life, if we keep our perspective straight and realize, hey, you know, in here and in here, uh, it may be happening out there, but in, in here and in here, I know who I am in Christ, and these hard times will not manhandle me. I will manhandle the hard times. They will not get the victory over me. In fact, I'm going to overcome evil with good. Somebody say amen. And that's what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. In fact, the Bible says if the powers of darkness had known what was really going on, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. Amen. So say this with me, this big idea. Say it, everybody. True spirituality is never manhandled by the hard times. The truly spiritual learn how to handle the hard times. In other words, I'm not going to let these things control me. I'm going to be in control. I'm going to be victorious in the middle of the hard times of life. Amen. So, everybody say, overcomer. The truly spiritual are overcomers. That's who we are. In fact... If you go to Revelation, oh, let's see, I think it's Revelation 12, verse 11 or 12. It says, and they overcame. It's like a prophetic insight to the end of the days. And they, speaking of us, they overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb. That's what Jesus did. And by the word of our testimony. By the manifestation and the declaration of who we are in Christ and what he has done for us. We are overcomers. Tell somebody we're overcomers today. In fact, my Bible tells me that we are more than conquerors through Christ. Everybody say, I'm more than a conqueror. So understand this. Now, most of us, when we think of overcomers, we think about people who are binding and loosing the devil all the time. And I tell you, there's nothing wrong with, with as, as uh, one of my young kids said, uh, one of our young people said in Quitman years ago, he said, I buke you, devil. There's nothing wrong with buking the devil. How many of you know we have authority over the devil? But listen, overcoming is much more than getting frothed up against the devil. Being an overcomer is much more about the proactive lifestyle that we live. Are you with me? Say amen. And what does the last verse say here in Romans chapter 12? How did they overcome? They overcome the evil. They overcame the hard times. They overcame the pressures of life, the opposition, the, the circumstances, the situations, the messes in life. They overcame that by doing what? By doing good. Paul closes out this chapter, he closes out this thought with, hey, if you're going to be victorious, if you're going to be an overcomer, if you're going to be able to be truly spiritual, you've got to overcome. And, and I see three things in these verses that I read to you, three good things that we've got to incorporate in our life to be proactive in the way we live our life in order to be victorious and in order to not let the hard times handle us, but we handle and even manhandle the hard times. Have you ever met somebody that are going through absolute hell in their life, but they've got a smile on their face and the joy of the Lord in their heart and they seem to be victorious and you just wonder how on earth could they do that how many of you would like to be that way this morning i want to give you three simple thoughts and here they are overcomers they overcome the hard times with good works everyone say good works 
Verse 13, I read it earlier, but what does it say, that first thought? Distributing to the needs of the saints. That's good works, my friend. And how many of you know the, the, the spiritual, the people who are spiritual, their nature is one of always giving. In fact, Jim mentioned it a few moments ago. When you're a Christian, understand something. When you, when you name the name of Christ, it's not about receiving, it's about what? Giving. It's about realizing that you are not here to be a warehouse of the blessings of God. In fact, some people believe, oh man, get all you can and can the rest. But what did Jesus say about that? He said, hey, yeah, Matthew 6, he said, hey, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. And you need to understand that true spirituality by nature is always given. We're not meant to be a warehouse. We're meant to be a distributor of the blessings of God in our life. God's called us to be a giver and to realize that the blessings that come through our life, true, hey, understand this, good works, the true spirituality is always giving out. It's always being a blessing and, and, and always reaching out. That's what God's called us to do. How do we be victorious in this life? Well, you buke the devil. But number two, you got to be busy about the good work of God in your life, being a blessing and not just always looking up. I need your blessing. Bless me, Jesus. Bless me, Jesus. How many of you want Jesus to bless you? Come on, be honest. I do. You know, the biggest way to be blessed is to, is to be a blessing. And understand something about true spirituality. James 2 talks about faith and works. Everyone say faith and works. Faith and works. You read this later. But it's, he said this. Some people say, uh, I have faith. And some people say, I have, have works. But here's what James come along and says, you know, I, I've got both. I'm, in fact, I'm going to show you my faith. I'm going to show you my true spirituality by the good works that I'm involved in. I'm going to be busy about the work of the Lord. And understand something. Let me just throw this out. And maybe I'm preaching to the choir here. But most, but there is a, there's been a reversal in, in mindset in a lot of people's mind when it comes to Christian culture. They think it's all about them. They think that God, I'm here to find the blessing of God. I'm here to get the monkey off my back. I'm here to get a little more money to, so I can get some more stuff and be blessed. It's all about me. It's not all about you. God wants to bless you. But what I've learned, <coughs> pardon me about being blessed, it comes when we learn to be a blessing. In fact, what's the benefit of the good works for us personally? Jesus said it this way. He said, oh, let me find the passage of Scripture. He said this uh, concerning in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. He said this, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give into your bosom? You see, there's a prom there is a promise for good works. But realize this, overcomers don't do so by rallying it up and, 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 and storing it all up. They do so by release. Hey, don't be overcome with evil. But overcome evil with what? Good. It's the good works. Distributing to the needs of the saints. You know, today when we were, or Wednesday, when we were able to give a blessing to Ralph and Annie, who are doing such a good work in, in Thailand. And we were able to bless them financially. 
It blessed me to be able to bless them. I just, I realized, man, they're doing good works. We're going we're gonna to equip them. We're going to resource them so they can continue to do the good work of God. And guess what? You know what God will do for this church when we continue to bless those and be a blessing to others? God will continue to bless us. In fact, how many of you know Paul taught us in Corinthians not to be, not to give grudgingly, but to give what? Cheerfully. In fact, that word cheerfully means hilariously. I don't know the last time I've ever passed the plate when everybody busted out laughing. It just almost gets a little somber. Well, hallelujah. We ought to practice that next Sunday. Freak David Hatley out. That'd be cool. Dave and Jennifer on the front row and the, start passing the offering. Everybody goes, <laughs> Woo, I love to give glory to God. He'd be trying to move you to Africa. He'd be ready to pass the plate again. I love it. It's the promises of God. Good works position us to be victorious in our life. Don't be overcome with evil. Don't let the hard times handle you. Learn how to handle the hard times. And listen, let me just say this. If you're going through some hard times, and I know some of you probably are. If you're going through some struggles today, hey, turn the tables on that thing. It's all the more reason for me to be out busy blessing somebody. Wait, I want somebody to bless me. Well, you got to bless to be blessed. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to bless to be blessed. Say it, you got to bless to be blessed. Hey, the truly spiritual overcomers, we do it by our good works. Number two, we do it by our good work, words. Pardon me. We are victorious by the words that come out of our mouth. Look in verse 14, what he says here. He says this, bless those who persecute you and do not curse. Everybody say, do not curse. We, th- we tend to think, oh yeah, you're not supposed to curse. But hey, listen, and, and let me tell you something. True spirituality is not biting your lip. Ha, 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 ha. I mean, if you know what that means. You know, when you just bite your lip, you're saying it on the inside. It is not coming out of your mouth. Am I right? Well, I was real spiritual. I bit my lip, didn't say anything. Yeah, but what was in your heart? It'll bubble out after you're gone. Am I right? Hey, Jesus taught the same thing, but Paul said it this way. He said, hey, bless those. Bless your enemies. And bless and do not curse. Everybody say bless and do not curse. That word bless means to speak well of. Oh, my Lord. My enemies, I've got to speak well of my enemies. Let me tell you something. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And if you want to be an overcomer, you better listen now. If you want to be an overcomer in life, if you want to be victorious and learn how to handle the hard times, you've got to learn how to handle this tongue. In fact, James said this, no man can tame the tongue. In fact, Ryan spoke it at uh, uh, Legacy High School, and he came in in the, in the church house uh, Wednesday night with a beef tongue, and it was not cooked. And he used it as a sermon illustration. He said, this thing has destroyed a many a life. <laughs> All the kids, ah, it's a tongue. I should have it right now. It's probably a little ripe by now. It's in the dumpster. Go get it. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Understand this. If you're going to be an overcomer, you got to learn how to let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God tame your tongue. To where in the hard places, listen now. 
I'm talking to you now this morning. In the hard places of life. You've got to learn to bless and not curse. You've got to learn to speak well of. And some of you are so habitually the, the not that that when people do it, it irritates the fire out of you. When they speak a good word, when you think something ought to be said right now, I'm about to say it. And somebody, the other day, I was in some of my preacher friends. I thank God for my preacher friends. They keep me in check. We were talking about something, and I, I was getting a little riled up about a certain aspect. And one of my preacher friends, he spoke some real positive thing about, you know, we're all fellow laborers in the kingdom of God. And I said, you're right, I'm not. And I went, whew, got to learn that lesson. Because you will, you will be victorious or defeated based on what comes out of your mouth. You can defeat yourself by the words that come out of your mouth. And could it get any plainer than this? Be a blessing. Don't curse people. Don't curse. Don't curse the circumstances. Don't curse. Hey, most people think they're going to get the victory by just talking bad about their enemies. Listen, you bless and don't curse. Everybody say bless and don't curse. We become overcomers by our good words, not just our good works. In fact, some people's good works are undermined by their bad words. They're out serving the Lord, doing good works, but with a bad attitude. Have you ever met any of those before? Sometimes they're in the nursery. You got to watch them in the nursery. Then. <laughs> Come to pick up my kid. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. That never happens here. Our good words. Jesus taught us the same thing. Matthew 5, 43 and 44. He said, bless them that curse you. In fact, remember what I quoted just a few moments ago in Revelation. They overcame him, that is the devil, by the blood of the lamb and by what? The words of their testimony. How they spoke, and they not only live, but the way they spoke. And listen, your words are powerful. And in fact, think of Jesus on Calvary's cross. Been what we would think manhandled by the devil. Not really. He blessed and didn't curse, didn't he? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I'm telling you, when you and I get to that place, I'm going to give you a truly spiritual blessing, a, a, a button. Because that's true spirituality. When in the middle of the hard times, in the middle of the opposition, trouble, traumas of life, you just say, thank you, Jesus. Think of Job. The Lord has given. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's spiritual. That's being truly spiritual. Remember, the true spirituality is never manhandled by hard times. The truly spiritual learn how to handle the hard times and we overcome them by our good works and by our good words. Amen. And you know what the benefit is? Verse 47 of Matthew chapter 5, I didn't turn over there, when he talked about bless those, and, uh, uh, bless those who curse you. And uh, he says in verse 47, and you'll be perfect. Everyone say perfect. 
You know the perfect, that word perfect doesn't actually mean perfect. What does it mean? That word perfect means mentally and morally complete, mature. That sounds like true spirituality to me. How about you? When we learn to bless and not curse according to Jesus' words and Paul's words, we become mature, we become perfect, mentally, morally complete and mature. That's true spirituality, amen? Amen. We overcome the hard times. We manhandle the hard times of life through our good works, through our good words. And number three, through our good ways. Look in verse 17 with me for a moment. He says, repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. I love what the New Living Translation says. He says this, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. He's talking about how you live, your good ways. How, not just your good works, but your good ways. Did you know it's possible to do some good works without living a good way? It's possible to do good works without having a good word and, and live in a good way. But he said, hey, you also got to overcome evil by your good ways. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. You want to put Pastor Sam's paraphrase that everyone can see Jesus in you. The way you live your life. People are watching. Look at somebody and say, Jesus is watching you. In fact, the Bible says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And how we live our life determines how we're going to the level of our victory in this life. The good ways. And I see four good things that, that God's calling all of us to do that ought to be the nature of true spirituality. And let me just throw them out to you. They're found in Romans chapter 12 here. The first one is this. Outgoing with strangers. Everybody say stranger danger. Now, listen, look at verse 13b. What does he say? Hospitable. Everyone say hospitable. He says, given to hospitality. Now, we have a mindset about hospitality. We think of, well, that's something you do in church. You know, you're hospitable. The greeters, they're hospitable. And, you know, the, we have this mindset. But the Greek meaning here of this given to hospitality is this. Pursue entertaining or relating with strangers. People you do not know. And in some cases, that's right here in church. Some people come late and leave early because God forbid that you should meet someone. God forbid that you should have to introduce yourself and get to know someone you do not know. But understand something about true spirituality and the good one. Listen, the truly spiritual are always looking out for others. And reaching out to people they do not know. And becoming a people person. Well, I'm just not a people person. Well, you should be because Jesus was and he's supposed to live on the inside of you. Well, I'm just not very outgoing. You should be because Jesus was. Well, I'm an introvert, not an extrovert. Well, listen, if you're going to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, you got to break through all those things and begin to realize, hey, the way I live my life is based not upon what I do, you know, in my little world, but how I reach out to the world that is beyond me. In fact, how many of you know the gospel that we're talking about has everything to do with people we do not know? 
And people who, because most of the people, most Christian folk, the only people they know are saved folk. Are you with me? I know I'm right about that. And the people that we know that are not saved, we treat them like the plague. God forbid they should rub off on us. Hey, God, hey, how about we rub off on them with how we live our life? Listen, I'm telling you, lost people, strangers, will be blown away by your congeniality and your hospitality towards them, reaching out to them. Some of them just need somebody to say, hi, how are you doing today? God bless you. They see something inside of us that is so foreign. And we live in a culture that has our fenced yards, our gated communities, our passcodes to keep everybody away from us. When in our, in, in our mind, in our heart of hearts, we've got to realize, oh, I've got to reach out beyond these four walls. Did you know Jesus taught us that? He really did. In fact, uh, gosh, hmm, I got a second. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. I skipped by it a while ago. I want to show this to you. I'm trying to, uh, in, a, in some ways, I kind of undermine what I'm doing here by skipping over some passages that I shouldn't. Matthew chapter 5. I want to show you something interesting. Matthew chapter 5 verse 46. Look what Jesus said. In fact, verse 43 is talking about loving your enemies. And look in verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that therefore you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect there it is again spiritual maturity is not based on how great it is in church whoo we had church Man, we had church today. All the, all the saints got together and, and sang a bunch of bless me songs and woo, it was great. I got one of those inspirational messages that taught me to live a better life and to have a good attitude in life, but we don't interact with the world that needs what we just got. He said even the tax collectors do that. The tax collectors know how to fellowship. The tax collectors know how to be friends with one another. He said, hey, if you're going to be truly spiritual, you've got to reach beyond these four walls. Are you with me? Say amen. Outgoing with strangers. Number two, the good ways, how we live our life. Not only outgoing with strangers, but Romans 12 teaches encouraging and caring of others. Verse 15, he says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. Everyone say, rejoice with those who rejoice. And weep with those who weep. What's he talking about? Caring for other people. Being sympathetic and empathetic. Happy when they're happy. Some people don't know how to rejoice with people who rejoice. Woo, we got $7,000 back from the IRS. What are you I rejoice with everybody who does that because I'm expecting a big tithe. Glory to God. I'm playing with you. Hey, caring with others. Encouraging of others. My friend Sonny can answer, Pastor Sonny. He's amazing at this. He's amazing at this. He'll go to the funerals of people he hadn't talked to in 20 years. And I'm going, Sonny, what are you? He just is his nature. I'm going to weep with those who weep. Going to come speak an encouraging word. I'm going to care about somebody else for a change. 
That's truly spiritual. That's, that's the way we ought to live our life. Outgoing with strangers, reaching out beyond our four walls, caring and encouraging of others in the good times and the bad times. I'm here for you. Amen. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you're honorable. The third thing I see is relational with others on all levels. Look what he says in verse 16. He says this. In fact, sometimes the truly people who think they're spiritual, they get a little high-minded in their mindset. But look what Paul the Apostle says. He said, be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own eyes. In other words, truly spiritual people don't have a big eye, little you syndrome. They don't think of themselves as up here and you down there or vice versa. They have relationships in all levels. I, I started to show you a picture of me and some of the brothers at our Be- Big Cedar uh, Pastors Conference there uh, in, in uh, uh, at Glo- the Global Advance Pastors Retreat that we had in Branson. A picture of five of my pastor friends. And I got to looking at it. Right in the middle was Rice Brooks, my new friend, who wrote God's Not Dead. Now, he pastors what I would consider a large, potentially a mega church. He's an author. He's a, his movie's coming out. This guy is smart as a whip. But you know what I learned from him? He didn't, he didn't look at me in any different way than he would look at anybody else. We were all the same level. Here's one pastor who pastors 1,000. Here's one who pastors uh, a couple thousand. Here's one who pastors 200. That's me. And, and, here's an, and I realized, hey, we're all the same here today. We just had different roles and responsibilities. We have relationship on all levels. Listen, that's truly spiritual people. They walk into the room and they don't, they don't find the pecking order. They just love everybody. Everybody's the same. Come on. That's what we got to get out of our system. In fact, there's no red and yellow, black and white. We're all precious in his sight. Somebody say amen. Whoo, thank you, Jesus. Everybody say, deliver us, Lord. And finally, and we'll close with this thought. We're Christ-like. Our good ways are that we're Christ-like in the midst of a conflict. Verse 19 and 20. Don't avenge yourselves. Anybody ever on Facebook? Any Facebookers here? You can be my friend. I don't care. One thing I've noticed about Facebook Some people love to avenge themselves on Facebook. And you know what I have to resist doing? Getting in the middle of their business. Because everything in me, it'll blow up on you. Everything in me, don't be venting on Facebook. In fact, when you read this on Facebook, let me just vent for a moment. Oh, Lord Jesus. That's where I want to just start commenting. Well, there's a way you can hide that. But hey, our good ways require us to be Christ-like in the middle of conflict. And Paul said, don't be re- revengeful. Give place to wrath. For it is written, this is what God said, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. In fact, Ma- Matthew five forty four, Jesus taught us to pray for them. Now, understand something about humanity. 
We've got to be Christ-like in our conflict with the world around us. And if, but listen, we better pray for those because they are standing in a place where God could judge them because of their actions. And if there's anybody that needs our prayers, that's people who are about to, God's about to take vengeance upon. Are you with me? Christ-like in our conduct. The way we live our life. Outgoing with strangers. Caring with others of others. Relational on all levels. Hey, man, we're all co-laborers together. We're Christ-like in the middle of our conflicts. And there will be conflicts. And the benefit to that, my friend, is that God is glorified. In fact, Matthew 5 says they'll see what we do and how we live and our good works and hear our good words and hear our good ways and they'll glorify our Father in heaven. It's about His glory and honor. The truly spiritual are overcomers. They overcome evil by their good works, by their good words, and by their good ways. In fact, catch this thought. Our good works... Our good words and our good ways all work together to undermine the intent and activity of evil inside us as well as around us. You don't just buke the devil. You live a life of good works, a life of good words, and a life of good ways. And those things begin to conspire together and undermine the intent. An activity of evil, not only out there, but in here. Paul said, don't be overcome with evil. But overcome evil with good. I'm not going to just sit here and buke the devil. I'm going to be busy about the Father's business. I'm going to work the works that He's called me to do. I'm going to speak the words that He's called me to speak. And I'm going to live the life He's called me to live. I'm going to live a life that's outgoing with strangers, caring of others, relational on all levels, and Christ-like in the middle of conflict. I'm going to live a life that represents Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together today. So we close out this series. I leave you with this thought. Listen carefully. In 2014... Do you want to be the real deal? Do you want to be a genuine Christian? Do you want to be, do, do you want to be a fake? Or do you want to be real? God's calling us to be the real thing. Lay our lives on the altar of sacrifice. Let Him transform the way we think. Gain an understanding of who we are in Christ. Understand how God has gifted us. Be strong and stable. Reach out to our family of faith. Be overcomers through the way we work the word, the way we speak the word, the way we live our life. Let's lift our hands to the Lord and say, let that be me, Jesus. Father, let that be us, Lord. That we would not be a false front of Christianity. We would not wear a mask. We would not say we are this and live like that. But we would live the life that you've called us to live. 
and be victorious. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for some people this morning. If you're here today and you've realized the hard times are handling you rather than you handling the hard times, I want to pray for you that this revelation will begin to be realized in your life today. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, that's me. When you said that, it just I, I realized I'm letting the hard times handle me rather than me learning how to handle the hard times. They're manhandling me. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to lift your hand wherever you are. I want to pray for you. If you're letting hard times handle you, I see hands up. Somebody else, somebody else, I see it. I see it, I see it, I see it. Somebody else, I see it. This is a word from God for you. And I want to say as you lift your hands and we're going to pray for you. As you lift your hands, you take this word from God and begin to realize, hey, God wants to grace you and strengthen you to become an overcomer. And begin to realize you've got to learn how to handle the hard times rather than the hard times handle you. Father, today you see these hands all over this room today. And Lord, we don't know what people are going through most of the time. But we know you know, Lord Jesus. And I pray today that this revelation truth for those who have lifted their hands today that it would make a big difference in their life and from this moment Lord I speak over their life that they would have a transformation of the way they think about the circumstances of their life and they would turn this thing around Lord and begin to take control Lord God and not let the hard times handle them but Lord let them learn how to handle the hard times let them become truly spiritual Lord and let their spirituality be made manifest by how they handle these hard times, these pressure points of life. And as we close this service, let me just follow the leading of the Holy Spirit just a little longer here today. Please be patient with me. I'm just trying to serve the Lord and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I sense in my spirit that there's someone here, and I will not embarrass you with this, but there's someone here that is very close to feeling helpless. You felt like throwing in the towel and quitting and giving up on God and giving up in other areas of your life. God brought you here today to turn that around in you. And if that's you today, I speak over you a transformation of the way you think that you would open your eyes to see that God brought you here to turn this thing around that is not hopeless. God has a plan and a future and a destiny. If that's you today, I break that. In fact, the enemy has come and he's set up a belief system in your head that is false. It's taken you down. I bind it off you in the name of Jesus. We take authority over every demon and devil in hell that would, would slip into the open doors of opportunity in our life because of the hard places handling us. We take authority over him and we pull down that stronghold in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you today. How many of you are not going to let the hard times handle you? I think we need to give Jesus Christ who made us more than a conqueror a great big God bless you. Hallelujah! Now, 
Let's finish this off this week by just reading Romans 12 just one more time or two. Just get it down deep in your soul and in your spirit. Amen. Now, here's what I want you to do this week. I want you to do two things this week. I want you to entertain strangers. People who you don't know. I want you to open your eyes up. Don't walk through the super... Open your eyes up to people you don't know and around you. Smile. Be congenial. You never know what kind of door of opportunity. I've actually had people say, what are you smoking? You know, who are you? Hey, I'm just happy in Jesus. Amen. Uh, So, hey, let's open up. Smile. Let's reach out to those that we do not know. But let's also reach out to family and friends who do not know Jesus. And this and guess what? Come Sunday morning, spring breaks over. Everybody say spring breaks over on Sunday. Because how many of you know Sunday is not the weekend, it's the week beginning. Did you know that? Sunday's the week. So let's all be here, bring our friends and family, call people you missed today and say, I hope you had a great spring break, but hey, Sunday, it's over. Hallelujah. <laughs> and we don't even do that anymore. Nobody hangs up anymore. They punch a button. That's, that's... <laughs> That don't even work anymore, does it? Amen. Well, I'm, I'm happy today. How about you? You happy? Now, oh, before you leave, thank you. Before you leave, you got to love somebody. Take off your mask, hug a neck, shake a hand, get to know somebody. In fact, if you're here today and you believe God is adding you to Church on the Rock North, at the close of this service, you can come take me by the hand, my wife, Ryan, somebody and say, I believe God's plugging me into this church family. We'd be happy to help you if you plugged in, moving in the right direction. We'd welcome you into the family of faith. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Until this time next week, we'll see you Wednesday night.